Mary, did you know? Okay, I can stop. Because one of my favorite Christmas songs is sung by Mark Lowry, who's basically known as a Christian comedian. Even though for a number of years he sang with the Gaither vocal band, has been with the Gaithers for many years, but a number of years ago he got very serious and he wrote this song, Mary, Did You Know? And in this song he asked some pretty interesting questions. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule creation? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? Did you know this sleeping child you're holding is the great I am? I love babies. Don't need any more, but I love them. And my heart goes out to little children. Not very much stuff really gets me bent out of shape, but to see children cruelly treated really gets to me. There's just something about a little child, and almost every time I ever see a little child, I kind of look at them and I wonder what their life is going to be like someday. It was around Christmas 23 years ago that our grandson Joshua was born. December the 18th. And for many years, having that little guy around, not such a little guy anymore, I'm sure like his mom and his aunt and uncle and like his grandma and grandpa, we looked at him any number of times and wondered, what will be of Joshua someday? I wonder how he'll turn out. I wonder what the future will hold for him. And and if you're, you're a grandparent like we are, you sometimes wonder what the world's going to be like someday when your children or your grandchildren are about your age. The interesting thing about babies is you never really know how they're going to turn out, though, when they're born, do you? But guess what? The one that was born on Christmas, by the way, he wasn't born on Christmas Eve. When he was born on Christmas, that's his birthday. This one turned out pretty good. He turned out to be the Son of God, the Savior of the world. But not everybody knows this. Not everybody understands this. And sadly, not everybody believes this. So as we kind of ready our hearts for this special day of Christmas, I want us to remind ourselves one more time this evening who this little baby really is. And I'm not going to use anything from the familiar Christmas story. But I'm going to jump all the way to the last book of the Bible in the first chapter of the book of Revelation. It's the fifth verse where the Apostle John is kind of doing some introductions, but he listen to what he says here. He said, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and now listen to this, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth. Now, in those, that little verse, he helps us understand who this little baby is. He really identifies Jesus in three different ways. And these descriptions of who this little baby is help us answer some questions that I think all of us have probably asked at one time or another. And questions that some of you may still struggle with, 
And there are certainly questions that people who don't know who Jesus is probably ask. Here's question number one. Can I trust him? Can I trust this little baby who's born on Christmas Day? I think the men and women of this generation have heard the name Jesus many times. In fact, sadly, some people use the name of Jesus almost all the time. Unfortunately, in a form of profanity. But a lot of people still are asking the question, this Jesus, can I trust him? And in a world of religious fakes, there's a lot, this is where we must begin. And we really discover the answer in the very first title that John gives us here. He calls Jesus the faithful witness. A witness tells us what he has seen or heard, and a faithful witness is one whose testimony is reliable every time. See, John says Jesus can be relied upon to tell the truth. When Jesus speaks, he always tells the truth. His words are absolutely 100% true. First Timothy, it says, Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made a good confession. Now, what is it that Jesus said when he stood in front of Pontius Pilate? Well, in John it says, this is what he said, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. Now, this is probably another good question. It's not a question I'm going to put on the screen, but I'd ask you this. Would you like to always be on the side of truth? I would. I don't like dishonesty. I want to be on the side of everything that's right. And the Scriptures tells us that if we want to be on the right side of truth all the time, Jesus is the supreme truth teller. Nobody else tells the truth all the time. And so if you want to find the truth about what life's about, you want to find the truth about what it's like to live, what the truth is about your future, the truth about anything, listen to the supreme truth teller. Several hundred years ago, uh, one commentator said that the title Faithful Witness means four things. It means what God said, Jesus made known. It meant that he taught without any regard to what other men said. It means that he was faithful even to death. It means that he will reveal the ultimate truth in the end. Another Bible writer, John Watson, said, No one has yet discovered the word Jesus ought to have said. None suggested the better word he might have said. No action of his has shocked our moral sense. None has fallen short of the ideal. Jesus is full of surprises, but they are all perfect surprises. Everybody, myself included, needs to come and answer this question. Can I trust him? Now, I'm not going to make an assumption that you all do. I've long since gone past the fact that just because people sit in church that they're Christian. And so I, I, I'd probably say, I, I would probably guess because it's Christmas Eve, most of you would answer that question, yeah, I can trust him. There may be a few who would say, I'm not sure if I trust him all the time. And there may even be some of you that would say, no, I've never found any reason to trust him. I remember a number of years ago, remember the old Donahue TV show? It's been a number of years ago. I never watched it much, but somebody told me about a show to watch one time, and so I did watch it. It was a debate 
between Bob Harrington, who was the chaplain of Bourbon Street in New Orleans, and he was going to debate Madeline Murray O'Hare, the famous atheist. And at one point, somebody in the audience asked Madeline Murray O'Hare this question. What are you going to do when Jesus returns? What are you going to say then? Well, I remember she had this very smug look on her face and she said, it won't happen, so I don't have to worry about it. Whoa. Gives me the shivers just to even think about that. Chaplain Harrington, though, said something that just blew me away. He said, you know, the Bible contains 318 verses that speak about the return of Jesus Christ. She just said he's not going to return. Over here, you got 318 verses in the book of God, and over there, you got one verse from the book of O'Hare. Who are you going to believe? Well, maybe that's the, que- that's the, the key question. Who are you going to believe? Now, I just want to tell you, you don't have to take my word for it. Read it yourself. In fact, I'd say this to everybody who's here tonight, just a challenge. In the next 30 days, even though it won't take you 30 days, read Matthew and read Luke. Matthew and Luke, because it's there that tells the Christmas story and the rest of the story of Jesus. Just read it yourself. Read it and come to your own conclusions about this Jesus. You know, can you trust him? Now, I'm going to tell you what I believe is going to happen, because I believe that whenever you work the word, the word will work you. It'll work you over big time. I don't know how anybody could read that with an open mind and not come up with the answer, yeah, I can believe it. Now, I'm not telling you this to try to prove uh, it to you. I'm just simply challenging you, make up your own mind, and see whether Jesus is entirely trustworthy. Here's question number two. Does he have the power to help me? Now, this answer is found in John's second title for Jesus. He calls Jesus the firstborn from the dead. That's an interesting title, the firstborn from the dead. It's talking about his resurrection from the dead. Now, what does it really mean? Well, very simply, it means that he is the first person. You get that? The first person to ever rise from the dead, never, never to die again. Now, during Jesus' ministry, he raised a number of people from the dead, including Lazarus, who the Bible says was dead four days. I mean, even a day longer than Jesus. But guess what? Every last person that Jesus ever raised from the dead all had one thing in common. You know what that was? They all died again. They all died again. But not Jesus. Not Jesus. When Jesus came out of that tomb on Easter Sunday morning, he rose once and for all. When he left the grave, he left that for good. That's why we say Jesus is the firstborn from the dead in the sense that he is the first in a whole long line of people who will be raised from the dead never to die again. Now, I got to tell you, I take great comfort in that. Just this last week, Nancy and I, like probably many people around this world, uh, experienced the death of a loved one when Nancy's father passed. Over the years as a pastor, I have presided over hundreds of funerals. 
I know what it's like to sit with families who are literally waiting for a loved one to die. I know what it's like to stand at the graveside. I know what it's like to stand in the pulpit during a funeral service and try to say something hopeful in the face of death. I can tell you personally, it's not always easy to pray when someone you love has been taken away from you. And it's no wonder that sometimes the Bible calls death the last enemy. But you know, in every one of those cases, whether it be the funeral this last week or the funeral of hundreds of other people, over the years I find strength in one thing and one thing only. It's this. Jesus has conquered the grave and He has done what no other mortal man has ever done. He came back from the dead and He will never, ever die again. And guess what happens to the people who believe that? It's pretty clear. Let me read it to you right from the Bible. 1 Thessalonians. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Kind of interesting being with my wife and, you know, a lot of people, and I know we all say these kinds of things, but they'd often come up and they'd say, I'm so sorry about your father. And it was really encouraging to me to see Nancy's face and her mother's face sometimes light up with a smile on her face and say, we're really happy because we know where he's at. He's one of those people who believed. And what a joy to know that. Do you catch those three words? It says, if we believe. It's as simple or as difficult as that. I mean, you will never convince yourself of the resurrection by camping out in a cemetery. If you go to a cemetery and you wait for a resurrection, you're going to wait for a long time. I mean, the last time that ever happened was over 2,000 years ago. But we have a Word of God that overrides anything that we could possibly see with our eyes. Our faith in the resurrection of the dead does not depend upon what our eyes can see. Our faith rests in the fact or the act of God whereby He raised Jesus back from the dead. I got news for you. If God can do that, He can probably do anything. Does Jesus have the power to help you? You bet. After all, who is He? He's the firstborn of the dead. Here's the third question. Will He take care of your future? Will He take care of my future? If the answer comes in His last little uh, title for Jesus. And it's kind of a rather breathtaking title when you really think about it. He calls Jesus the ruler of the kings of the earth. Now, I thought maybe ruler and king was the same kind of stuff, but I found out the word for ruler means the ultimate authority. So he's the ultimate authority over all the kings of this earth. The kings of this earth are great, but what? Jesus is greater. Kings of this earth are mighty, but Jesus is mightier. Uh, millions of people answer to these earthly kings, but these kings still answer to Him. He's not merely one of a whole long line of kings. He is what we refer to as, and you know it, Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Let me put it this way. If Barack Obama said to Jesus, How can you be ruler over me? I have my office by 
the election of the people of the United States, a sovereign nation, and by virtue of my constitutional inauguration and installation. You know what Jesus would say to him? He would say, I'll tell you how I have the authority. I have my office as ruler over you by God's election and by virtue of my resurrection from the dead, my indestructible life and my installation at God's right hand. That's what makes me king of kings. Friends, i got to tell you, that applies to anybody who ever occupies the White House. I mean, that statement is as true for Washington as it would be for father and son Bush or Lincoln or Kennedy or Clinton or Obama. You know, back in the first century, shortly after Jesus died, there was a mighty emperor by the name of Nero. Nero thought he was the king of kings. He held in his hands the power of life and death. Thumbs up and somebody lived. Thumbs down, somebody died. It is said that Nero ordered the burning of Rome and then blamed it on the Christians. It was Nero who had the Apostle Paul beheaded, thinking that if he would do that, that the Christian movement would die with him. But 2,000 years later, guess what? The tables have been turned. Today we name our dogs Nero and our children Paul. I mean, who are all of these rulers that John's talking about? Well, these are all the political rulers in their various spheres. I don't care whether it's the mayor of Texarkana, Arkansas, or Texas side, or whether you're a councilman or a chairman or a governor or a congressman or a senator or a president or a prime minister or some potentate of some far-off place. They're all just small-time kings or big-time kings who think they rule a lot. You all know the names. We've got a long list of them. Names like Obama and Putin and Netanyahu and Ahmadinejad and Harper and Blair and Singh and Kim and Abdullah and Sarkozy and Karzai and Hu and Mugabe and Calderon and Merkel and Cameron. And there's a million other ones just like that. But guess what? Jesus is ruler over every last one of them. And yet, some of you might say, and I might even agree with you, this world's really kind of in a mess. That's why it's sometimes kind of hard to believe that Jesus is in control of anything. I mean, all the evidence sometimes seems to be moving in the opposite direction. I mean, pornographers go free. Baby killers are untouched. Politicians break the very laws that they write. Drug dealers continue to make their millions, and nations arm themselves for total, absolute destruction. And when you look around, you could probably make a pretty good case to say, maybe Satan is the ruler of the kings of this earth. But friends, it only seems that way. I mean, Satan has no power. In fact, Satan, who would have liked to have seen Jesus die under the hands of Herod, could not succeed then, couldn't succeed when Jesus was nailed to the cross, and can't succeed today. In due time and at the right moment, this child born in Bethlehem is going to come back, and he is going to come onto the stage of world history. Those hands that were nailed to the cross are someday going to be hands that are going to rule the world. 
And even though we don't see it all the time today, it's certain and it's sure of fulfillment. That's what this book of Revelation is all about. Read it for yourself and just see how the story ends. Now, I, hate to, I, I, don't, I, I hate to give up the end of any book, but I will. Read to the end, we win. Sorry, I let it out of the bag. I, I just couldn't resist. But in the meantime, at this very moment, he's the king of this earth. Everybody else reigns because of him. I mean, by him they're restrained, by him they're replaced, by him they are judged. Now, so the question again, will Jesus take care of my future? Sure. Why? Because he's the king or the ruler of the kings of this earth. What is it? Allstate says you're in good hands with Allstate. I say, no, you're in good hands when you are in the hands of those whose hands hold the universe. But let me take you back a little over 2,000 years ago. It sure didn't look like it on a Christmas Eve, did it? I mean, if you had been wandering through the pokey little streets of that pokey little town of Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago, and you heard a baby cry, and you stuck your head in the side door of somebody's house, you would have seen a baby laying in the straw in this little manger that cattle would have fed, and you would have said, oh, what a poor little baby. Born in poverty, I mean, what could possibly ever come of that little baby? But like I said at the beginning, you can never tell how a baby will turn out. But this little baby surprised us all, and we're still surprised by him 2,000 years later. Now, what would I like to have you remember tonight? That's always a good question. I think it's just this. Hold on tight to Jesus. You probably say, why did you just say at the beginning and sit down? Well, I had to lead up to that point. But the answer to all the questions at the end is just hold on tight to Jesus. I mean, there's no security anywhere else. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, always, He is the answer to all the deepest questions of your life. Look at it one more time on the screen. All three of them, all together. Can I trust Him? Yes, I can. Why? For He is the faithful witness. Does He have the power to help me? Yes, He does. For he is the firstborn from the dead. Will he take care of my future? Yes, he will. For he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Friends, there's not a person here tonight who does not need him more than you know. I need him more than sometimes I ever really know. And so the truth is worth repeating one more time. You're in good hands when you're in His hands, because those hands rule the universe. Place your life in His strong hands, and you will never, ever be disappointed. I don't know about you, that makes me pretty happy. Happy enough to sing joy to the world, I think. Let's stand and sing.